What's up, friends? And welcome back to the Afrozonics podcast, the interview series all about Black women working, leading, and innovating in food and beverage, wine, hospitality, food justice, food media, agriculture, and food science and technology. I am your host, Tiffany Rosier, and this is the spring season finale. It has been an incredible season. And in this episode, I have the privilege of speaking with the founder of the Spoke Event brand to be hosted, an independent lifestyle magazine while entertaining, Amber Mayfield. Amber is a consummate tastemaker and event professional and is shaping how Black folks celebrate and entertain now and in the future. Be sure to subscribe to the While Entertaining magazine and go and sign up for the uh, weekly email blast. It's always a beautiful focus on Black joy. She's always giving us great recipes and entertaining tips so you definitely don't want to miss out on a single weekly email. Uh, this season has been such a gift. I encourage you to go back and visit each interview and connect with each story. I am headed into a break and then I'll be back with a food science summer. This summer, we're highlighting more Black women working in food science and technology. Um, so you'll definitely want to tune back in this week to discover the women who are out here creating new taste and new products for the industry. Um, let's see, while we're on a break, be sure to join the Afros and Knives Collective, powered by Mighty Networks. Uh, the Afros and Knives podcast um, just started as a simple audio recording, but it has definitely grown into a vibrant community. Um, check out the newest in the Afros and Knife shop. There are some really fun summer designs celebrating the best of Black culture. Um, this episode is brought to you by Global Cutlery USA and the generosity of the Afros and Knives Patreon community. So if you want to, excuse me, support the uh, Afros and Knives podcast on a monthly basis, you can definitely head over to our Patreon page and become a member of the community. Uh, there's always an option to donate to support the program. This is a listener-supported podcast. And so you either have zero or minimal um, outside sponsorship like Global. And it's typically a partnership with brands that serve our community or are in service to our community. So thank you so much for um, always always supporting us and for listening and becoming part of our listenership this season. Uh, let's see, thank you so much for tuning in this season and for your continued support. Um, the show is now available on, uh, let's see, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Vimeo. So you can catch up on some of the video podcasts as well. If you hit up Vimeo or uh, YouTube, you can find us under Afros and Knives in both of those platforms. And then be sure to follow on Instagram and Twitter and now on Clubhouse, of course. I am still sorting through how to best serve the community with these platforms. So if there is something you want to talk about, something, something you want covered, um, in the podcast or even in a clubhouse chat, just be sure to reach out and hit me up in DMs or comment under a, an image on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, you know we'll see what we can do and we can get that set up and organized, and um, you know so you can see your your concerns and your stories presented on the on the, on the podcast. So, without further ado, I'm going to hand um, I'm going to hand this off. And uh, at least hand this off to my break. And, uh, and then I will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode, of course. So 
Here is my interview with Amber Mayfield. Thank you for joining the podcast. I think, you know, I mean, if we, I probably, if we had known, if I had known about you sooner, I don't know what, there are times where I'm like, I'm interviewing all these women and I don't know what I've been doing (laughs) this whole time because I didn't know about any of this, but I was sitting in on the, um, that Philly soul food, uh, like, uh, uh, event they were doing for uh, La Dame and there was a, a handful of ladies who were like, mm-hmm. yeah, we've just, we were doing some research and we just discovered, you know, a couple of things like, you know, the Forticulture magazine. And I was like, so they're very, I don't, it's so interesting to me that you still have these very small pockets in major cities of mm-hmm. it, like, no one knows what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, okay so y'all didn't know any of that huh and they were like yeah i think i know who clancy is and i'm just like well y'all got a list of magazines you need to get i was like i need y'all to get wild entertaining i need you to go ahead and get for the culture i need you to go ahead and get whetstone i need and they were like oh i was like here's a we out here y'all we out here i'm sorry we didn't tell you sooner but we out (laughs) we're really out here right now um but i just appreciate so much of what you do i know i have to i have yet to introduce my mom to the brand yet because I want you to be prepared before I do that. Um, <laughs> she got peak black mom energy. I love so, it. That's all I need. <laughs> um, it's that thing where everything is a yes and okay. And it's just a lot of, you know, we'll tell her that I, and it's like, they give you personal messages to give to people you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yes. I, I want to receive all of them. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to prepare her first because <laughs> You will never forget the day that my mom gets in contact and be like, well, let her know that I'd like to talk to her about, <laughs> does she want to write a book? I mean, just all the things, all my mom's side hustles come into play. It's fantastic. But I was hoping. I can't wait, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are not prepared, you'd be like, like oh, I was like, I'm sorry. Especially for people who don't have black moms. I'm like, most of black people <laughs> I know are like, my mom do the same thing. But if you have a non-black mom, you have no idea that this lady will have her prepared. Yeah, <laughs> that you on the prayer in the prayer chain in the prayer circle. She got friends who got questions. It just I love it. Um, and all the but, friends order at the same time. <laughs> just like uh, mom, mom, relax, relax, please don't do that. Uh, but she has always she has long been a person who loves entertaining it at home and like she was she used to teach like charm classes and stuff like that and she's big on like etiquette and table manners and all the things and I think it was like when I first started connecting to um uh, like while entertaining I was just like okay this is the like classic energy people need I think in like in our efforts to be modern mm-hmm. we lose how to like be people And so I felt like that was like, and I was, I'm big on like eating things, eating, eating at home with people and like inviting Mm -hmm. people into your house. And for anybody who has done that, you know, we have, we know what it's like to be like, I'm never eating there. Uh, (laughs) Please don't invite (laughs) me to your house no more. Uh, So and so such and such is not that good. (laughs) So it's like to have, to give people instruction, because I think their intentions are good. But a lot of times the execution is lost because they're like, well, I didn't know I needed to do that. I was like, well, what we can't do is have you putting gravy in a solo cup and then mm-hmm. go ahead and get to go to the thrift store and get you a real gravy boat. There's a there's plenty of them over there. Like, it's just mm-hmm. the little small details. And again, like, I think black 
because black culture has had to work so hard to get everything, those micro details get lost because we just don't have like the bandwidth or the access or the, the resources to like fill those things in. And so reminding people like, yes, it's, it's important. Like you, you want to go, even if you don't have time now, you want to go back and revisit like the little micro details because they mean something. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you for like taking up space in this way, because I appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you for having me to chat today, girl. I mean, <laughs> I have questions. I have, I have things, you know, because I told people, look, there's plenty of information on the Internet about people and I have if, if you have to like come on the podcast and you're expecting those details I can't help you because <laughs> I'm not here for the things you can google I just have no interest in that um but what I do do is give people give my guests space to introduce themselves I find that that has a greater impact to allow people to tell their own stories in their own way and um and you know bring emphasis to the things that, that that's important to them and then of course the me saying me encouraging people to say their own names has just like, it started like by the third episode in, I was just like, this is, this is really important. Black women being able to say their own names with, with a level of like power and authenticity, especially in a space where everything even down to our names is problematic for people. And they want to mm-hmm. like make sure they, they want to mispronounce it. Shorten even it. the most simple mm-hmm. names. They want to add extra syllables and things. You're like, okay, so you know how you say Tiffany in white worlds, same way. Mm-hmm. no different because i'm black there's no extra syllables on account of that and so i like i remember dealing with that as a kid and they were like so how do you say your name and you're just like mm-hmm. so either you're rude or you're stupid but neither one works out so <laughs> like oh like like the regular tiffany yes like the regular so um, like so who yes. gets to decide what is regular Girl. but that's that's another territory <laughs> it's a whole different podcast um, <laughs> like, so um so i will give you the floor to like introduce yourself and like give us your name give us some um some milestones in your journey and like the things you want to highlight about your about how you got where you are right now um and then you know usually i have questions uh, follow-up questions on that alone and I don't know if we ever really get into any other questions outside of that uh, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try so okay, I'm gonna mute, my, I'm gonna mute myself so because I know there's gonna be a, a ambulance at any moment now in these streets so anytime oh you're ready goodness. you can go for it okay well hello everyone my name is Amber Mayfield um, Amber Ann Mayfield and depending on what side of the family you're on Amber Ann is how you pronounce it. Um, I am the founder of To Be Hosted, which is a food-focused event agency based in New York that specializes in dinner parties and really intimate experiences that elevate Black culture in the production of them. And I am also the founder of Wall Entertaining Magazine, which is an annual magazine that highlights Black food and beverage producers and then provides you with resources and inspiration for when you're cooking and gathering at home. So I got into this career, actually, when I was 23, I was working um, in television and I was a corporate assistant and I was just in a really crazy environment. And what I noticed is that all of these events and all of these productions included the same five caterers, the same lighting people, um, the same designers, the same artists, and none of them really looked like me. And that really bothered me. (laughs) So I was like, that's a a no for me. That's a no for me. Right. So I I started um, to be hosted as a side hustle and it was self-funded and I really wanted to like host these dinner parties that would put 
chefs and catering businesses that I was really excited about in front of Black creatives and Black professionals and just create a really intimate experience and safe experience for us to dine. Um, I'm sure all of us, especially in New York, have no shortage of stories of not feeling comfortable in certain spaces and not feeling like that fine dining experience or that luxury experience or whatever mm. you, wherever you want to go and feel like somebody is specifically catering to and thinking about you. I felt like we didn't have that. Um, so I made that <laughs> and it was really, it was a wild ride. And now we kind of have shifted from the supper club model to just producing these events for different corporations like the ones that I started at to really just diversify their vendor list, diversify their agency mm. list and do dope and exciting things that put, again, Black culture right at the front of them. So that's why I fell in love with events and hosting and food events specifically. And as I was going on, I was like, okay, well, my dinners are small. It's about like 20 to 25 people each time. So I was like, how do I scale that? And this was like 2019. And I was like, maybe the way to do that is a magazine and really give people the game on what I'm doing and I mean, these dinners and who I want to work with and why I want to work with them and why their stories are so great. So that's where the annual magazine came from. And it was another self-funded endeavor. Always. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how it was. And, you know, because I was new and I was young and nobody really knew me, but I had this vision and I brought it to a couple of people and I was like, will you sign on to this? Will you do this? And they were like, yes. Um so right ahead of the pandemic in March 2020, we launched our first issue and it was digital because our printer closed when the rest of New York closed. Wow. Um, okay. But it was out there and it started yeah. to you know, get its little momentum and now we've got our second issue in print. It's really getting its little momentum and its little shine. But I mean, hopefully it has brought people, you know, new stories and also comfort when they're in the house and just like need inspiration or need someone to relate to. They can like open our publications and be like, oh yeah, I want to sit with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because they usually the do anyway, they just don't know why, but now they can articulate it. They were like, I yes, want to sit with exactly. all the black kids in the cafeteria because they all seem <laughs> to be having fun. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We Thank are. Well. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have um, like memories of like your mother, your grandmother, your aunts, um, your father, like people in your family, like really putting on those types of events and those types of dinners? That's what my mom sure did. She was like, New Year's Eve. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I mean, it really, it was two people. It was my mom and it was my grandmother. And my grandmother always had these little details and touches that stuck Mm. out to me. And her home in New Jersey just became this meeting place for all of the cousins. And there was always something really good in the kitchen. And and it wasn't too overdone. And that's kind of something that guides me as, as much as I like the frills. I'm like, what are the approachable frills that people can do and make the people that are coming over feel special without yeah. feeling like, ooh, I can't break this. <laughs> I mean, ooh, you yes, you it, know, the plastic covered furniture, the rooms you can't go into that are fully set up for company. You have to go to the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm those yep. yeah so <laughs> between my grandmother just having this like meeting place of home and just feeling like you were there to be taken care of mm. and then my mom always loved hosting like the barbecues here at our house and it was just a place to have some really good food and just really good camaraderie and I just loved that yeah. I grew up um I'm actually at home as we are recording this at my parents' house as we're recording this. And this town, it's called um, Manuet, New York. And it was not very diverse. There was about four or five Black families at the time that I was going through my school age years. Wow. So my house just became this meeting place that like, 
I have like four black girlfriends and then just so happened to have like half of them had brothers that were also my brother's age. Nice. So this was the spot. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So, and I just, yeah, I did something about food and gathering and being home and this being like our safe space or, you know, their other house being our safe space. Those were the moments that I just cherished so much. I love it. You know, if I was going to my friend's house that was Jamaican, I knew I was getting yes. something good. If I was going to my friend's <laughs> house that was Asian, I was getting something good. Yeah. If they were coming here, they knew my mom had the best ribs. Like, oh, you know, so yeah. we were like house hopping and eating and it just, those were the moments that were super exciting. Oh, yeah. I, I oh, Gosh, I missed, I missed that a lot. I mean, I don't know where it went, why it went, but I do really miss that. Like our next door neighbors to the... To our immediate, because we lived in, I lived in South Jersey. I grew up in South Jersey, so mm-hmm. we lived in row homes. And so our our immediate neighbor was like Haitian. And then the neighbors next to that were Jamaican. And the neighbors next to that mm-hmm. were Puerto Rican. And the neighbors next to that was this really nice old black lady. And then, um, <laughs> and then you just kept going. And our neighborhood was actually like, thinking about it was super diverse. We even had some white people who lived in our neighborhood because our neighborhood mm-hmm. was primarily a black neighborhood. And okay. so it was like, that was unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, considering the time period, it was just kind of like you had a, you had a real toss up of what could happen. And so that uh, we lived across the street from like a park with a tennis court. It was very strange. Uh, so you're like, so people would come to our house and be like, I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> you're right. I just, because they would like, we had friends, like my parents, most of their friends either came from church or my dad's job or my mom's job. And mm-hmm. We, a lot of times her, their friends were white and like, I, you know, most of their friends were either like Jewish or Italian and like every now and again, um, like my mom had more black friends because of the neighborhood we went in and she was a cosmetologist for almost 40 years. So most of her clients were black women. And so that's the reason why we had like that kind of mix. But when it came to events, those folks who lived out in like the burbs would drive into like this very urban area of uh, New Jersey and just kind of like, yeah, we going to this party. And my mom would be, I mean, house was done and decked out and ready to go. And I was just like, these white people gonna really drive here. And, and okay. All right. Well, cool. Then, right. You right. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. we had, you know, it's not like we had this huge refrigerator. So eventually I think my mom bought like a, a freezer for our basement. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So things so like there's just bigger and bigger capacities to hold more and more food, and then of course the introduction of um, like BJ's Warehouse and uh, Sam's Club and stuff. You couldn't tell black people nothing. Yeah. You you no, could buy what in bulk. Was like well, I know we got some more of that in the basement. <laughs> that is that was the thing, but I really do miss being able to like go to a neighbor's house. It's just mm-hmm. I don't know when that little bit just kind of dissipated in society but it's like it's such an essential I think it was such an essential part of like socialization so like that gap right now of like not I mean there's just people there's a generation of people unfortunately that don't have these social skills Mm -hmm. that we just I don't know we had the choice like you know if if you grew up the way I grew up and like most people like most black people I know if you walked into a room if you walked into a house and it was a relative's house and you didn't speak that was 20 years off your life. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Did you come in here and not speak to nobody? And you're just like, hello. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yeah. No, people think I'm so like, you know, pre COVID and like, I would go to like a friend's house party and I would say hello to everybody when I came in and the women would look at me like, okay. (laughs) 
if I don't speak to you, that's worse. <laughs> like somehow my ancestors will know I didn't speak and this is not going to go well. Yeah. I just. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I, I really do miss that. It's like super nostalgic. And it's like, you know, I love the fact that you're trying to capture that and like reintroduce that to people. I don't know if people even know that, know they should miss it because there's like, mm-hmm. you know, that space of time where, you know, okay, well, I didn't grow up that way. And you're just like, really? Because we all so did. implement it now. Oh yeah. And that's why I'm like, <laughs> well, let's reintroduce that business right now and see what, mm-hmm. see how, see how much richer your life can be. See how much richer your relationships can be. Um, for, it's funny, I was watching an interview with uh, Morgan DeBron, the founder of uh, Blavity and like um, Afrotech. Mm-hmm. And one thing I had noted is that when black women's stories are covered, like how we come to a place, because they were talking about how she ended up getting like $12 million in funding for Blavity to launch Blavity. And, you know, a lot of times the way they edit and piece her story together, you don't really know about her story you don't understand the whole thing like you don't know like mm-hmm. oh she was an early investor in like facebook and tesla you didn't you know like you didn't know she graduated at the top of her class in college so they they really do kind of extract a lot about our journeys and mm-hmm. so like what i try to lean into a lot here in this space is to kind of dig into some of those micro moments for people and so they understand like black women aren't just like bootstrapping their way into these spaces, there's some real decisions being made and um, we're deliberate about those things. So mm-hmm. in the spirit of that, what did you, because both of your, both of those projects, the magazine and the event, um, the event brand were self-funded. Like, what did that process look like for you? What, what were some of like the harder decisions you had to make for yourself? Um, were there things you had to let go of that you like now are trying to recapture and you like, okay, now I have the space, the bandwidth or the resources to do that one specific thing I wanted to do at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's so many things. So in the beginning, <laughs> it was like a really interesting journey too, because I was work first I was working in television and then I was working for a hospitality group alongside all of this. I was also working on my master's degree Ooh. in marketing. Um, I think I always like to call out my age because I was 23 and not just because I was young, but also because I had the luxury of like still being on my parents' insurance mm. and still having two roommates. So I wasn't living in a Harlem high rise right. and I wasn't paying more than 800 bucks with utilities included. Um, so it was like the perfect time to get scrappy and quit my corporate job yeah. and really like pour love into this in addition to pouring funding into it because I really believed it was a thing that needed to exist. Um, so it was, yeah, there, there were times that I wouldn't go to brunch with all of my friends, or there were times that like, if somebody really insisted that I come to brunch, they were going to cover me. Look, I'm like, I hope you have coins for this because like, I can't go without right, a donation. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like I was like, this $50 is going towards my Squarespace yeah. page. It is not going towards Girl. this brunch. So if you want me to, I'm going to need you to spot me and just trust me on what oh. I'm doing here. It'll all make sense one day. Let me tell you something. That Squarespace comment resonates in my spirit. You know? Like, I'm sorry, these $45 need to go towards my Squarespace website. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's real. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started with the Squarespace page and eventually, you know, to be hosted, went from like doing these supper club style dinners to now being like a full service events agency. And, you know, within, so that was 2017. So within three years, pre pandemic, we went from like doing supper clubs to doing events for corporations like 
Netflix and Bullet Whiskey and Equinox and Nestle and it it was games like all of that work then made sense and then I got a designer to do my website that exists now it's beautiful it's wonderful isn't it I'm just like y'all don't understand what it's like to finally be able to get like okay I have resources that I can now pass certain tasks off so I get more bandwidth Mm -hmm. back to do like to push this thing forward and to have better ideas and to like kind of manifest the big ideas exactly yes now for your that first that's and this is fun it's funny because it was a segue into my next question that first Mm -hmm. those clients that you know like Netflix and Nestle like what did that look like because I think one thing I'm noticing specifically with like young people because I had to do um a workshop with like the food and finance high school. And then I have some other young, other like high school age folks who are right now, like I'm teaching them about how to package their story so they can deliver it when it comes, when it, when the time comes, when it counts. So like for a future employer, if they're trying to pitch an idea to get funding, whatever that looks like. And I'm like, but not being able to tell your story and, and ask for what you need is a skill that most people don't learn you you learn by trial and error like getting enough mm-hmm. nose or not or getting the thing you didn't want because you didn't communicate communicate clearly what you needed and so this idea of like you know there's a lot of young people who have these big ideas and aspirations and like there's this this learning gap of you know if you're not mm-hmm. if you don't have a lot of the privileges that your non-black counterparts have where your parents know certain people in certain circles so you don't ever really have to do the ask part it's just that, hey, you know, oh, my mom knows so-and-so or my dad knows so-and-so and they're going to ask for me mm-hmm. or, you know, they, you know, they came to my high school graduation and wanted to see what I was going to do with my future. And so now they're like, well, what do you need? So we don't have that access a lot of times. And so we do have to mm-hmm. like frame and pitch ourselves to these potential clients. So for someone who's like, hey, I'd love to get a bigger book of business to have um, mm-hmm. better conversations or bigger conversations with larger clientele. What did those first few conversations look like? What were the, what was your process for like contacting and getting these folks yes. on the list? <laughs> okay. So this, I've, there are two really important parts of this. So I think the first part for me is I like to level set for people that like, I, when I started my career, did you ever watch 30 Rock? Yes, I did. Okay, so do you remember Kenneth the Page? Mm-hmm. That's a real program at NBC, and I was in it. And they choose like a hundred kids out of tens of thousands that wow. applied. So that was one of my first jobs out of college. So once I was there, and it's like such a big networking system, that's how I got my first job in television. And that's how I got to like bounce around to all these different areas of a business to really understand how they work Mm. and who gets to do well there. And of course there are very problematic things that were going (laughs) on, but like, I like to add that layer of like, I had access. So I had a leg up in that regard. Gotcha. Um, but then access, like after access, after like learning to speak the language and like, you know, being the intern, being the page, being the assistant and soaking up all of this information. I'm also like the daughter of two teachers. So I was going to, you know, the, the lectures after work or whatever talk that I could go to, yeah. like if it's a marketing person or an ads person or a social media person or a PR person, I was learning about all of these tricks and trades yep. because like, 
with to be hosted in the beginning, I was like, you know, the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. So I couldn't just go and plan events. I had to learn everything that was around yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that foundation helped me first of like, okay, this is how brands like to be communicated to with these decks. They need to see this type of information mm. in the deck, like the about us, the why, how we choose our vendors, what our approaches, why our approaches unique. They like to see photos and videos. So like, you know, the same way I was saving $50 for Squarespace, I was saving like $100 <laughs> to like get a photographer that yeah. was good and get a videographer that was good because them being able to see my work mm. was also like the great equalizer of like, okay, it's not just like another pitch that we're getting, but like, this is what it looks like. And this is how people respond to it. And like, it's dipped in culture. It's dripping yeah. in oh, culture. Yeah. We want to be there. So that part was like the next piece of like collecting all of these assets, but then also recognizing where you are in your journey. So when I started in 2017, I was doing supper clubs and the first supper club was filled with my friends. And I was like, okay, what did I get right? What did yeah. I get wrong? And then I spent like the next year and a half doing a bunch of dinner parties and doing a ton of things wrong and learning lessons nice. the really, really hard way. Like I can go through a long laundry list. <laughs> like of, this is not it. You know, horror stories. <laughs> yeah. And people who worked with me in the early days were like, Amber, I never want to do it that way again. Like, right. I heard you, heard you. We'll fix it. But those moments were really important to learn before I was even pitching. Mm my agency as somebody that can execute these like grand dinner parties for all of these other. Oh, that's good. So, and I, so I spent like a year and a half between like 2017 and then 2019 was when I like booked all of my biggest clients. I think that was much shorter for me because of that part I mentioned in the yeah. beginning, but I feel like it's, you know, don't despise those small beginnings, do it a little ratchet <laughs> at the beginning, figure it out, perfect You're it right. <laughs> because it, it expands your mind. You get more creative with money when you don't have yes. any. So then when now that we're taking on these like bigger projects with these bigger budgets, I can do a lot with Look. them. <laughs> now see i'm gonna be like i was doing it with nothing it's true i just it's funny because i've been thinking about like since last summer thinking about this idea especially when we started talking about like white privilege and that kind of came really big into the conversation and the, the very obvious expressions of white privilege were like kind of in play and everybody could point to them and mm -hmm. like really see them and but there was like this one like really micro space that people kind of neglect and it's this offer you get access to fail you get access for that you get there's a privilege in like being able to fail get it wrong and then get back up and do it again and do it again and do it again because there are some spaces yeah. where you do have like unlimited resources to screw it up mm -hmm. so and go ahead mm -hmm. and to that point black people and minority people don't have access to fail once they get the bigger so like by the time I got there, <laughs> I was like, I know that the qualifying pieces, I only get one yeah. chance. And if I mess this up, even now, if I mess something up, you know, if, if it's disastrous, if somebody gets massively sick or whatever the thing may be, that will be my downfall because we don't yet have a society that gives us great so you need to be ready for your oh moment. yeah and I, like um, and it's the unfortunate reality and you give me all these little tweetable moments here too so we got um <laughs> you can get real creative with money when you don't have any uh <laughs> you need to be prepared for this moment for your moments um yes it's i i think that's like something i've been really 
paying attention to in the last year too is i watched and i'm so it's so moving to watch like black people go okay in the pandemic where i don't have my job right now i'm gonna get really creative or take these really big risks and just like go for the thing i've always wanted to do and it's like you're excited for them and you know simultaneously having started something before and having to figure out how to get it up and successful you also know there's that moment that's coming where that first failure shows up and you just you want to be able to like hold that person in the space and so i'm like trying to figure out like collectively how can we hold each other because we don't get opportunities to fail we don't get access to failure we don't get privilege to fail we have to get it right the first mm -hmm. time and not only do you have to get it right the first time it has to be incredible you, you gotta be out here doing like mm -hmm. beyonce on netflix and circus trips on dinner tables <laughs> i mean it has to be that level good in order to for people to go oh okay yeah i guess they are to be validated not even to be like promoted mm -hmm. even it's just one of those things to get entry you have to be insanely good at what you've done. And so I've been thinking a lot about like, how do we like hold space for each other that way? And like, okay, it's okay if you fail. Um, you know, there's, there's has to be some type of like safeguard at some point for black folks as we start to like take these risks mm -hmm. and do bigger things. And whether that's monetarily, which is a big part of it, like, okay, if this, you know, this brand failed or this project failed and I want to try it again because I learned so much the first time, but I don't have the resources or the, the public trust to do it. Mm -hmm. And so like around that conversation of like, cause I knew last year we was going, it was going to come up and how like black people need to support black businesses. Um, because mm -hmm. while we are saying it, in like a social media space and trying to like tell white people, okay, you need to support black businesses. Black people have failed each mm -hmm. other. If we're going to be honest, mm -hmm. we have failed each other in that mm -hmm. way too. Cause a lot of times we'll like, I'm not going to use that company no more. Or I'm not going to go there no more. Now, now look, I'm not talking about hair appointments where you didn't show up and your stylist is three hours late. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like legitimately, like there is, um, a tea shop in your neighborhood there is a local hair supply that's owned by a little black lady or something like all of those businesses that we are talking about like we want these to exist we need these to be here we need we need to buy the block and stuff like that like well when we own some of the block you didn't go mm -hmm. so the block closed so it's like this this mm -hmm. conversation of like if you go into a restaurant a black owned restaurant and you have a really challenging experience with service mm -hmm. or whatever it's going to be with food, with consistency, with timing. Um, there has to be, you know, there's a, I think there's a way that we can approach this, that we can like hold people to a standard and at the same time allow them to make those mistakes. Because I think you do get mm -hmm. defensive after a, after a lot of people telling you, after a lot of people tell you like, hey, I had a terrible experience here where your wait staff is rude or whatever it is going to, whatever it is. And you get defensive mm -hmm. and you don't really hear that critique anymore. And, you know, when you start to read about like, you know, major restaurants, like these huge, like very notable restaurants having these hard ass critiques from these critics mm -hmm. and they are kind of like, okay, we're either going to learn go. the lesson and like pivot and do better or we're going to not say anything and just keep our heads down and keep working. And black businesses don't get that space and they don't get, we don't hold them in that way when, you know, there's criticism to be had. It's like, yes, you could be providing a better service, right. but I want to be able to give you that critique and you not feel like it's a personal attack. And girl. Yes. And, and that, I feel like it's, it's so hard. And there, I don't know the solution <laughs> to this. Um, Cause it's, society it's a society issue as yeah. well of like you know 
there's only one seat at the table for this particular type of person and that particular type of person can't fail, right? right? Like that's the energy that society gives us. So we end up giving it to each other. So I think it's making, for me, I can only speak for myself. For me, it's making a conscious effort to like treat everybody like my family. Mm. So my approach, like if it's a vendor that I don't have a great experience with or like what have you, I'd rather just shoot them a note and just be like, hey, this happened. I really love that you did this, but this kind of fell off. I know that's not how you want it to go. Just wanted to give you a heads up because I love everything about y'all. And that's kind of like the end of it. Like it's not (laughs) on social media. It's not the thing that, you know, like I have no problem writing a vendor and be like, by the way, I think you changed like your shipper and your shipper did X, Y, and Z and it's going to make you look crazy. And they'll say, thank you. You know, like I feel like I mean, it's biblical. God corrects the ones that you love. So if we are just committed to loving each other, it's me showing you love to tell you that like your eyelash is hanging off. You know what I mean? And I want y'all to show me the same love. Like if I was like, you you need chapstick to start you shitting them. I'm doing something exactly. crazy tell yeah. me let me help you let me service you in that way but I don't like if I don't know that it's happening mm. and you let me go outside the doors of the house looking so I mean, far away that's the kind of we have to just position ourselves to like that's the kind of love that we want to receive and then also for people who are building brands I think it's really if you think about these top brands and these household names, like even like restaurants aside, but I mean, we could even use restaurants as an example. Like the average person does not know the person that made McDonald's and Wendy's yeah, and Chick-fil-A. Exactly. But their legacy is going on. So if you're building a business, do you want that business to supersede your identity? So then you're, you, the human, are not receiving this feedback. The brand, the brand is, yeah. is receiving this feedback. So what are you going to do Ooh. to fix it? And so it's a mind shift if that's, you know, what what you want to build. Oh, is, you know, don't take it personal. Like, I think businesses and I think food businesses and I think myself, like, I am a service provider. I... I provide a service. I provide a service to my events people. I provide a service to the people who buy my magazines. If you're not happy, (laughs) I am not doing my job. So you got to let me know so I can service Mm, you. Um, That's good. I love that idea of like learning how to separate yourself from your brand. Whereas you're, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you do is in service to the brand. So it's its own entity. It's its own thing. It sits outside of you. So, so that it does have Mm -hmm. an opportunity to become a, like a legacy brand. I mean, most of the brands that we mm-hmm. engage with now have outlived their founders and it's just, you know, mm-hmm. the brand is it's you get mad at the brand girl. Not the and it's its own thing now too. It's not, it has, you know, the brands have their own personalities. They have their own growth patterns and they might be different than yourself. Like when we think about major brands like Apple or um, who else is leaving their company right now or stepping down uh, uh, Amazon. So when you think about their founders mm-hmm. stepping away, from the brand in like a very active role. So you've got Jeff Bezos, who's leaving the one position and getting into a less active position uh, in the mm-hmm. Amazon brand. And then you had Steve Jobs, who first was fired from Apple and then stepped away from <laughs> Apple. Um, and then, oh, I can't remember his name, CEO for Starbucks. I mean, he has stepped away twice at this point and retired mm-hmm, his position mm-hmm. as CEO and, and, and you know, reduced his amount of activity in, in the branding of something. So- it's mm-hmm. just like to think about 
that that moment like i think i'm always working towards that like if i'm building a brand i always am working towards this that space where i can where that brand can have autonomy and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily me doing anything anymore i'm in service to it but there's an entire team mm-hmm. of people in service to that brand now and it's not in just service, you know yeah. i'm not synonymous with it anymore um and i do think we do you know specifically black women, because we tend to be the faces of our brands for a long time um, because we have to bootstrap them suckers and, you know, and they're self-funded and and all of those things. So we are like, you know, biologically attached to these brands we're building because we've spent so much time with them and they're that important, Mm -hmm. but there's a moment where we do have to go, okay, when can I like kind of set this thing free and allow other people mm-hmm. to, you know, contribute to allow other people to contribute right. like ideas and, you know, what direction we can go in and those types of things. And, um, I think that's the, one of the harder things in a space where like black people don't get to own very much mm-hmm. when we do have these ideas that are great and they are very successful. It's really hard to just kind of go, okay, this is, this, this can be, this can live in its own way and do its own thing. And I can move on to something else. I can, I can go create something new, which is like the advantage to being able to let your brand go a little bit, um, mm-hmm. around the, like the, the branding for the magazine. Um, what was, I guess, what was the inspiration for that? Like outside of the people featured in it, like, what did you have a vision of what it would look like? Cause I think for me, I, that's how I kind of process certain ideas is like, I have a, an actual vision of like, okay, this is going to be the final product. This is going to be the final outcome. So for that, did you see something you had already, that was like, you know what, this is this, yeah, that's what I need this to look like. Or was it one of those kind of, I crossed the bridge as I was building it type of situations? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a little bit of both. Like, I feel like in terms of vision, like I have a very clear vision of like what I want while entertaining to become, which is this destination for modern multicultural home hosting and food and culture. Um, So I can like see very clearly where we're going. Um, But it was hard to find something to like model it after because it was so specific. Like I really wanted to have this like editorial and cookbook hybrid. I really wanted to be a coffee table book that's like incredibly functional. I really wanted stories that were like not just the top chefs or the, you know, the chefs with the most followers or, you know, talking about whichever restaurant I wanted to talk to black people who are making food at whatever stage they were Mm. in their career. So I didn't have something to model it after. And that's how I knew that I was doing the right thing. Like, I feel like it sits in its own categories. And now my challenge is to make sure everybody understands like what that category yeah. is. Like most people get our magazine and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> and what am I looking at right now? <laughs> I, like, I, I knew you were doing something. I didn't Still know you that, were doing yeah. this. Um, so now it's really, yeah, it's really trying to like tell the story around the brand of like so much of like, the hostess with the mostest mm. is like, you know, the folks that look like Martha Stewart and Athena uh, from I Swoon. And I love them, but like, I need to see my hands okay. in the shot. I need to like approach it like a black home. I need to like, you know, if there are products being recommended, they're black owned products or their decor that isn't $17,000 for right. a block slab. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this, <laughs> I was like, this is something different. Yeah. Um, and like we and we need all of these yes. things to exist, but with <laughs> while entertaining specifically, it has been so much about not only creating like a physical magazine, but also creating this brand that is aware 
of black culture mm. and home and the ability to talk about us in our homes and talk about our experiences around food and around gathering that isn't attached to a few Girl. or isn't attached <laughs> to something traumatic yeah. or, you know, it's just it's like this is this chef this is what they're cooking at home this is what they're thinking about this is what they like to do this is what this psalm wants to pair with this Mm. dish just because you know this is the playlist that we're listening to it just is that's the playlist girl come on the center (laughs) of all black entertaining is the playlist oh yes it's a playlist for every (laughs) season i love my playlist (laughs) a black household ain't no music playing Something mm-hmm. has gone wrong with the record, with, with the record player, <laughs> with the CD player, with the iPod, with the something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, that's a, a good way to pivot into like your black joy, like energy in the, cause I get your, I get the, um, the email marketing, I get, yeah, I get, we I get your weeklies, emails. I get your weeklies. And I love that focus <laughs> on black joy. I think people have gotten like, I think we started on a really cool trajectory about black joy. Like black joy doesn't have to be attached to anything. It doesn't have to be a response mm-hmm. to anything. It can just be because it is. Um, and I like mm-hmm. how you're like how yours just kind of sits in that space. Like, no, we get, we, it's okay for us this to be just what happened this week. We can be joyful mm-hmm. because we're people and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be connected to like, it doesn't have to be in response to tragedy or or any mm-hmm. of those things which is fine but it's like for black joy to exist just independently on its own because you're a human being and you deserve to have some joy in your life um and now we are taking a brief pause to thank global cutler usa for sponsoring this episode of the afros and knives podcast many people have rediscovered their kitchens over the last year and some have even rekindled their love for cooking i hope this is a trend that grows up to become the new normal cooking at home can be amazing if you come to your cutting board with curiosity and no apologies if your pantry and your fridge are well stocked and if you have a sharp balanced knife at the ready like an eight inch classic chef knife by global cutlery made of Cremova 8 stainless steel Global Cutlery has been expertly handcrafting knives inspired by the traditions of Japanese sword making and only using the finest raw materials available. They have been doing this work for over 30 years and it shows. The knives are for both the home and the commercial cook and each knife has the signature global edge and it stays sharper longer. And like the samurai swords before them, each knife is carefully weighted to ensure the perfect balance in your hands. So to purchase your own knife and upgrade and upgrade that knife game, I'm sure after a year you're ready to uh, make a few replacements. Visit the Global Cutlery website, globalcutleryusa.com, or visit your local kitchen supply store like Servotab or Williams Sonoma. Um, cooking is a practice and a craft, and every practitioner needs the right tools to produce the beautiful results that they want. The, what, has, what has been your most like joyful moments in the last year? <sighs> I mean, there's so many. Like you said, that weekly email, I just put a list of things that like brought me joy and they're little things. Um, I guess it's people mm-hmm. and I won't identify one particular person, but I think the collection of people that have been around me, like, one while I was out in these streets chucking and jiving and doing like building this yeah. business 
those people are still present. And then there's a ton of people that I got to meet and really like connect with because we were all in the yeah. house and we had nothing to like, there are some friends that I now FaceTime with, but I've never Girl, actually met them in I person. Mean... <laughs> and I'm like so comfortable it. with it. So for me, it's the community. It's having like deep laughter in the midst of like serious trauma like we are actively living through trauma and i don't want anybody to move into portugal on a number of occasions in the last week (laughs) yeah this last year has been a lot but it's been those moments of just having someone to call having someone to laugh with um having someone to talk about nothing with and talk about everything with i've had no shortage of fantastic people loving on me during this Mm. time so that's been that's been keeping me going. <laughs> uh, is there something in like your personal, like daily ritual that kind of you weren't paying attention to before, but now that you we're in this space that you really do take more time with because you're like, wow, I just, I've been doing this every day and it's become a daily habit, but I didn't realize how much joy this was bringing me. And it, you know, it's, it's just there every day in the background. Um, hmm, that's a good question. It's hard because pre-pandemic, my home was also my office. You know, everybody else had to like transition. I was like, I've been in the house. Uh, like I didn't have a commute. My morning routine was pretty like consistent. Mm. So I guess it's just like having deep awareness of that yeah. routine. Well, it felt like people around me were trying to like build this mm. routine and this lifestyle that I was like, oh, this is what I do every day. Yeah. You know, I wake up, I read my Bible, I peloton pre-pandemic it was kickboxing uh now that we're in the house it's peloton and tabata and then i walk my dog i have a shiba inu who she's so luxurious <laughs> <laughs> so she i walk with her and that's always nice and mind clearing and she's always happy and she's always like relaxed mm. and chilling and just in the backdrop happy so that's yeah. nice um I've, yeah, yeah it's kind of like i'm like just like i just found like you know, putting the kettle on and like making like a cup of tea or actively making Mm -hmm. um, a cup of coffee in my mocha pot, like that kind of like ritualistic meditative, like each step Mm -hmm. is the same, but it's, you know, yeah, I just, those moments. You're looking forward to the cup regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like if there's no creamer (laughs) in this house, things are not going to work out for anybody. So I need something (laughs) to be in this house, but that, yeah, just that, just that idea of like that being there every day, it's very grounding and like it centers, it centers the day. Um, so yeah, I was just like, okay, black joy, black joy. Like, how are we leaning into that? Like real heavy, how, what does that look like when we aren't in the house anymore? And like, how can we capture that Mm -hmm. and like hold on to it as like a center part of the conversation like how are we centering black joy and like what we're doing going forward um because it is easy to kind of fall into especially if you're building something it's like oh okay you know you've Mm -hmm. got probably your problem solving all day and so like where do you remember to come like come back to that every single time um it's about staying really close to your why. Come too, on, can we right? talk about like, the for why? For me, there's a lot of joy in my why. Like when I'm really, really stressed or things are hard and I'm problem solving, I'm also jazzed up about that because I know it's like, it's not about me. There's so many people around me ooh. that want to see the things that I'm building yeah. exist. And I was like, ooh, they're going to be hyped that I figured <laughs> this one out. <laughs> I, you know, and it's like, wait till ooh, I, I love text that, that random You're person. like, okay, so we're going to solve this problem and then things are just going to be even doper than it was before. So don't y'all worry yeah, about me. Yeah, I was like, on the other side of this ooh, thing. Yeah. That's been, oh, 
let me tell you um like the pro- like the podcast process for me is like when i first started i had no intentions of really like anyone even listening to it it was going to be i don't know why i didn't like really plan for an audience like my why was very self-indulgent almost it was like i don't know mm-hmm. other black women working in the spaces that i love and so this is my way of like find this is a gateway for me to get to know them and connect with them and 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 find out about mm-hmm. their work and then as i kept going and i realized by like the fourth interview that people were actually listening and i was just like okay so do i shift my expectations of myself do i stay the course because that's what's kind of propelled this to begin with and then Mm -hmm. like once i got to the end of because i had no plans of getting past the first season either i was like i'm gonna do one season of this and this is gonna be cool (laughs) and blah 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 and then we got into season two just gonna hang forget that people were like hey you should interview this person i was just like i'm gonna have to do this this is gonna continue okay all right but that's encouraging, yeah. right? Like people, when people start having ideas about your business and they start getting like, right. invested in it, I'm like, ooh, yeah, okay. I got to tell so-and-so that we're going to try, try this again. <laughs> so it's been like, cause it's, you know, because I, I don't discuss it too often because I'm still like working on this, uh, mm-hmm. that other concept. And so like I started, you know, the podcast was A, this is connect with black women, but B, I needed to, I, you know, my big, my big macro like goal is to start a a digital lifestyle brand and essentially it's digital Mm -hmm. media and so because i'm like you know you've watched we've watched enough um like hgtv and food network and stuff to realize there are no black people in these spaces um you know when you Mm -hmm. watch the travel channel i think you've had i think anika was like the one black host on the travel channel for a while Mm -hmm. and you know and eventually the travel channel became you know a series of like white dudes running around the world trying to find ghosts and it was like really a glorified Ghostbusters. <laughs> I was just like, what are we doing with the Travel Channel right now? Why is everything paranormal activity around the world? Um, but I just... <laughs> I thought it was just girl, me. Like, I'm so glad you said that specifically. Because <laughs> it was either like, why? Because there was one point where like the Travel Channel was all food media it was like it was like food content but it was people eating like oversized hamburgers and trying to mm. eat their weight and fried chicken and like weird stuff like that and then it just made this weird yeah, yeah. they lost their era. why they lost their so life. i was just like watching all of those discovery network like shows that were being produced and i was just like wow okay so all of this is just flat it's homogenous nobody's watching it you really put like chopped on in the background because it's 19 hours of it and you're just like well this is going to be in the background of my house like white noise and so i'm like we're not Mm -hmm. you know people aren't engaged in the content and then um taste made came around and i was like okay so this is beautiful stuff like Mm -hmm. they're doing beautiful work they're you know it's a really diverse Mm -hmm. um, uh, type of content pool here you've got a lot of different talents happening from all over the world fantastic and then about two years in that kind of fell apart and I was just like what do you all do why aren't you making better choices than this and then I realized oh (laughs) because you're not willing to tell different stories you guys want to tell the same stories but with different faces and that's not going to work if you don't invite new Mm -hmm. stories into the space like these like food media will get stale very quickly and Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is the answer to that? So I was like, you know what? I would love to try like to get something going. Cause then once they put like chef's table up, I was like, okay, it's a wrap. I need, we need to figure out a way to like capture black chefs in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. There was a thing about the aesthetics of a lot of that stuff. Like it's shot beautifully. So you have these very boring stories mm-hmm. and these very homogenous hosts, 
but the the work the filming is stunning it's like the it's light stunning. Girl, i want someone to invite me I to was like that's that. gorgeous like wow the music choices mm-hmm. like all the, the 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 creative choices in the execution mm-hmm. are fantastic and then i was like okay so i need black people to be framed in this way like black people deserve to be shot with beautiful lighting and beautiful spaces they deserve to have gorgeous like voiceovers and fantastic music they deserve budget so i was just like okay how do I do that? How do I answer that? And so like the podcast, I was like, I need to figure out, I need to learn the process of production and like putting up mm-hmm. content and, and like actively putting it up consistently every week. What does quality look like over quantity? How do you get both to happen? Oh. Um, so all mm-hmm. of those things. So it was just like, you know, the podcast was really a way for me to practice for the bigger step. And so now I've added like video this season. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm sweating real hard on this video situation because I know what I want it to look like. And so like video is definitely Mm -hmm. a lot more challenging than audio. Like I figured out audio production probably in six months. I like spent a lot of time just like pouring over it, reading as much as I could, asking friends. And I had had friends who are like professional musicians and producers and stuff. So I had some, a really great pool of resources to talk to people Mm -hmm. about like audio engineering and what I need to do and all these other things. And then I added video this season and I was just like, the, the I, I was amped at the top. I was like, ooh, we're going to add video because <laughs> people love to watch black women talk to each other and I don't know why. Um, but, you know, adding video, I think is going to be a great like next move here. And then I mm-hmm. started recording video and I was like, oh, okay. So what you did not think about was like, how are you editing this? What does this look like? What is the final? Why is it? <sighs> so mm-hmm. I'm just like, at this point, like, okay, um, that was real. I'm being real ambitious right now, but I think it's like, I think we're just in a window right now for black people to produce mm-hmm. media that we want to see and we want to read mm-hmm. and we want to connect with. Um, and when you were saying like the way you've positioned the magazine and the con- the way the content is built out in the magazine. So you have this mixture of like cookbook and coffee table book and lifestyle magazine and essays and like mm-hmm. all of those things in one place. And I think people a just underestimated that someone would want that type of like rigorous content in a single publication, mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. like, I've been thinking a lot about like cookbooks in general and how people are disconnecting or divorcing the narratives from like actual recipes and cooking. And mm-hmm. we have to reassert like that is just as important as like the ingredient list. Right. In the- like you've read the story and now here's the recipe. That's kind of how I was thinking about it. So now you're like, uh, like one particular person that did this so well was like Robert Tolan mm-hmm. in this issue. He talks about like, reflecting on the relationship of his grandmothers and he's from a biracial family so like his experience with his black grandmother and his experience with his japanese grandmother and then you flip and you've got this recipe for japanese influences in potato salad so whether or not you're going to make his version of the potato salad now you're like interested to see of like okay this came from this grandmother and this ingredient here and it just it makes it so much more of like you're attached to food and creativity in that way versus if i just gave oh, you that absolutely I, and i feel like it's like i mean because i've seen the, the the twitter complaints at least about people like i have to read all of that before i get to the free recipe and i'm like yes you have to do work to get something for free <laughs> so all that line standing y'all willing to do for it to, to pay for something like you can read mm-hmm. these and the thing is most most of them have like the jump to recipe button so but that complaint for me it was like alarming because i was just like okay this is how 
cultures get erased is because you've decided to divorce the narrative and the history of something from like a actual like tangible product and it's like well it's not important and I'm just like right and then right and then right there next to that like right bordering up against it is like then you have everybody that wants to make their take on somebody else's cultural recipe and they think that they can do that because society wants to jump to recipe and they're, <laughs> they're Let unmarrying the people know. these things that were never supposed to divorce. Let the people know. I just, you don't, <sighs> don't be just y'all. I, I think <laughs> like, because I'm thinking about like, <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> I just to like explain that to people. Like, how do you think this, you know, for, I mean, for specifically for black culture, the way we pass on recipes, the way we record recipes, they weren't written. I mean, we weren't a allowed to read or write for a good while. And then when we finally mm-hmm. were able to, you know, recipe formatting and trying to figure out how to write a recipe based on all the publishing formats and, and requirements and things like that. I'm like, that's just not how we engage with our food. If you wanted to learn how to make something, you had to sit in the kitchen ask your questions and watch and, watch. Mm-hmm. and sometimes you couldn't ask no questions i know with my great aunt don't you mm-hmm. go in there and ask no questions you just oh my gosh the way i used to watch my grandmother make something i'm like and i know i followed every single moment but it didn't hit Girl, the same i just can any look and, and i think and i think every black person i know could nod their head about that and be like yeah you right i just sat in there and watched my grandmother make these biscuits and i thought i was getting it and right I did everything she did nope no, if so for me, like <laughs> if you get a recipe from your family member, consider that a historical document. Because I think if we mm. were like when we were enslaved as people here, if we were allowed to record our recipes, they would have been historical documents. Mm-hmm. You would have gotten a sense of place and time. You would have understood what ingredients were available at the time and the different cooking mm-hmm. techniques and things like that. So when we are capturing recipes and like culturally for us it's 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 history it's a way to record what's happening at that time and what's available at that time and who's who's talking at that point um so yeah i was just like thank you for like just making sure that those things i think when someone comes to the magazine they know that all of those things exist together in relationship Mm -hmm. when you are engaged Mm -hmm. with like black culture like all of those things come together you cannot separate them out you're never going to get them broken up um so don't try and i think that's one of the more frustrating things people come up against about trying to duplicate black culture or appropriate black cultures they don't understand that you can't just pull a single piece out and use Mm -hmm. that you have to use everything it all comes together as a package so like i can see you out here with these cornrows created a full experience (laughs) but if you never sat between your mom's legs while she cornrowed your hair you're missing a part of that experience Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i mean you can go to your hairstylist and they'll do the technique you haven't been told not to act tenderheaded you ever been popped with a comb then you don't understand. <laughs> I was like rubbing my like, <laughs> like because I was ooh, like, that's smart. Um, my hand up there, <laughs> but then, like all of those, all of those things matter. Like the smell of like hair grease, and you know that when you're that finished product, when you're all done, and your hair is like glistening and you know neat and tidy and you can go for another week without your mom having to think about washing your hair um all of those things and i think people think they can just go to their hairstylist and get this hairstyle and i'm like yeah you can absolutely go get a hairstyle but if you really want to understand if you really want to wear like cornrows 
then you need the mm-hmm. full experience. You need to know like mm-hmm. what that's like to have those like sensory moments around getting this hairstyle. Um, you know, to have your mother's hands in your hair is, you know, you ain't going to get that. You ain't different. going to get that energy from, from the hairstylist y'all. You ain't going to get that love. You're not going to get the <laughs> love and the, the generosity of spirit. You're not going to get that care from your hairstylist. Yeah. Um, right. And that's what I'm trying to do with the yeah. magazine is give you these stories and these recipes and these pairings and this playlist with like mm. love and care and packaging so that like, you know, the things that really do feel like home for me and home for the people that are featured in the yeah. magazine can start to f- either feel like home to you and feel reminiscent or like at least give you context. Oh, yeah. If it's not. So you know what you are getting into when you show up in this space. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that's where appreciation and um, that's where appreciation comes from. I think it's not just like this aggressive culture that we're in right now. That's like diversity inclusion. We're like throwing black people into spaces that like those people are not really interested. Y'all ain't trying to protect the black people that you threw up in here either. So, yeah, no. Right, right, right. Like I'm not just trying to give you voices i'm trying to give you history and context Mm. and experience and love like i feel like everybody that has been in the magazine so far loves what they do or loves what they're talking about oh yeah that comes through that Um, comes through loud and clear absolutely like that is crystal clear thank you and you you've captured like each person in this really beautiful like vignette and you kind of like froze those moments in time so like whenever someone revi- you know in 20 20 years yeah it's time yeah i was like it's super it's really evergreen so like in 50 years if someone was to pick up like that first print edition and read about that person or read what that person wrote or what they contributed it really is capturing them in this space and to like look mm-hmm. at all the things that are happening around them when they've produced this like really beautiful piece of work and you're like wow we were in, they were in the middle of a pandemic they were in the middle of all these things mm-hmm. and yet they've written Mm -hmm. this really beautiful piece or they've produced this gorgeous recipe and they shared a piece of themselves with us. So that absolutely comes through. Like you, you did gorgeous work there. And hopefully they're like, you know, topics that you want to bring to your dinner table too. Like I didn't just want to have people talk about things or ask people questions that I didn't want you to ask at your own dinner Mm. table because we've all been inside for (laughs) a year. If you're sitting down with someone and you don't know what to talk about, I mean, I love like Kalisa Marie Martin's piece about like having to separate her identity from like who she is as a human and what she does for work and finding value in those things as separate entities. And that was me at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, yeah, I'm an event planner. There and are no events. So <laughs> I have to. So and it's a really important exercise that. So hopefully there's a topic or something in there for everyone to relate to. That's whether they're in the kitchen or on the couch I, or whatever it I is. I mean, if you don't find something, it's it's because you weren't looking. Like that's let's be real. Like it's there. It's it's there. It, but you I, hope I so. just honestly you don't have to go on a scavenger hunt to find it. And I think you can I appreciate you. <laughs> you can come and the thing is you can come to the work without it being um like filtered in color either it's like okay you have to be a black person to understand what it's like to like share a meal like there are very human mm-hmm, mm-hmm. themes here that you yeah, know there are human themes here family identity right. um comfort in the workplace you know, kindness like what are you looking <laughs> for and i think because people want to always frame things as 
as a black person it's like you might as well just throw that on as a caveat it's like oh but as a black person i'm like as a but you guys treat black like it's a really different species and this is where we keep bumping Mm -hmm. into this problem is that we are in a different Mm -hmm. species we are the same species so we have families and dinners and we eat and we do all the things that you all Mm -hmm. do like I've, i've been reading um black white and the gray and you know Oh yes, that shows up big time, especially at the top mm-hmm. of the uh, in the first half of the book, where they have that you know Mashama and and Jono have that first conversation, that first meeting, and he is kind mm-hmm. of like struck by the fact that they shared so much in common, and he really didn't expect to share anything in common with this black woman. <laughs> and I'm like, but well, she's a person. So what do you mean, like oh, our grandmothers breathed, made the same breathed. thing? They used like you know uh, braised pork. I'm just like. How is that? Okay. I'm going to just, okay, that's fine. But revelation is a beautiful thing. And I think it's because we have, we have always had to sit in the position of normalizing, taking your culture and making it culture. And our culture kind of gets put off to the side and Mm -hmm. it's othered and kind of marginal and it's definitely marginalized. And so it's like, well, because you're the central culture, you're the default culture. It's kind of like, oh, we didn't think you did the same things we did. I'm like, but if you're the central culture then everybody's doing what you guys do so i don't think you know how that works either i just i'm confused as to why you're surprised (laughs) that we're all wearing the same clothes and eating the same food because you've put yourself in the middle anyway so Mm -hmm. that's a whole other podcast again that's a whole nother episode (laughs) um so for like the future because i I, you know when i was reading the the magazine i was like okay so she's gonna end up having like you know advertisers show up they're gonna be like crate and barrel gonna be a couple of others popping in there she's gonna be like probably developing a line of like dinnerware and like serviceware um which i'm all about and i'm all for it i really want that for you um but (laughs) i really want that for us too i want to be able to go into a crate and barrel be like "Um, i need these um I need these spoons mm-hmm. and these forks and this serving bowl. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just all of, I need all of these things from this collection. Um, so like, where do you, where do you want your brand to go? Like how, how big do you see this going and how, you know, at what point do you feel like you can go, okay, I'm going to kind of step back and like, you know, start some new projects and, you know, where, where's that, what's that moment for you where, you know, okay, the brand is like ready to kind of be autonomous and, and live in its own way. Oh, that's a lofty question. <laughs> I, like, I mean, you, we can just, you know, we can just spitball a little bit and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So what I immediately go to is something that um, somebody told me when I started my first business to be hosted, um, had this dinner party. And then there were like people that came to the dinner party that were like, oh my gosh, I have so many great ideas for you. We should meet up. And like, I had them at my apartment and had dinner with them. And one of the, the guys that came over, I mean, this was like so New York, so like unafraid. (laughs) I didn't know these people, but like, they were like showing up to give me free advice. And they said, this gentleman, Kevin, he said, the thing that has changed my thinking. And he said, you need to think about your business in three stages, the dog, the horse and the dragon. And I don't know where this comes from exactly. And I've never even Googled it. But the way he explained it to me was that you need to learn how to walk your dog and have a properly trained dog before you learn how to ride a horse. Mm. And then you need to learn how to ride a horse before you go and slay your dragon. So as you ideate and you think of all of these different ideas, those ideas need to go underneath the dog, horse and dragon of it all. So for me, that was like, 
training my dog and actually literally having a dog at the time <laughs> that I launched <laughs> to be hosted, having a puppy that was, she was wild. Um, was like, okay, I need to be able to do these dinner parties and do them really well. And then the horse was um, being able to do them for brands and take on all these clients. And then I added in the magazine. So I don't, I'm not yet at my dragon because I feel like I still have, there are things I want to perfect about the magazine. I want to bring in more creatives and bring in more writers and bring in more minds to touch that project. Mm. Of course, that comes with budget and sponsor willingness. Um, sponsor willingness comes with like the amount of magazines that I'm able to sell. That's so like true. for me, like- <laughs> I'm thinking about like, how am I going to maximize the number of magazines that I sell? I'm very grassroots. I'm not super famous, but I want while entertaining in 1 million households. Yes. yes. Y'all, so how am I number. going to get one? <laughs> that sounds crazy. Not at but all. That- that not at all when you think about the circulation for some garbage magazines we keep saying no not at all one million households come on here one million households and that will you know that'll help me grow my team that'll help me you know the people that are in the magazines also be have this be a revenue driver for them or like just at least a source of income and compensation or what have you um so i want us to have that first so i feel like i really need to sit in the magazine of it all and scale this thing so that it can be an independent magazine that does the numbers yeah. and exists um, and exists in print for as long as possible. Um, so yeah, I feel like I want to sit there first. I think I, I think about ownership a lot. So I think about like having to be hosted as a venue and having that be yeah. like a place of one being able to host dinners, but two other people that are in food and in, spirits that want to shoot content they're coming to they're coming to be hosted yeah. <laughs> it's true oh <laughs> yeah I did there. Um, so I want to have a venue I want to have ownership I want to have a place to produce the content for the magazine I want the content for the magazine to get even better I think that's the cool thing about the yeah. magazine is that the theme changes each year so I have I have a lot of theme ideas and a lot of stories and angles to tell and tell really well first before I think about, um, you know, the cutlery line. The cutlery line. Will <laughs> like, come. So we need a to be hosted cutlery line in the Target as well. So we want a high end and a um, a more economical version of of all of that when the time comes. So. Yes, exactly. Right. So all of that I think is coming. I think about um, I think about working on like a wall entertaining book mm, also. Yeah. Um, this, this is very privileged <laughs> I was like Whoa. but you know wanting you know the coffee table book yeah. like when you think about it y'all let Martha Stewart have a hundred books thing. on entertainment she got the whole thing <laughs> you know so I just I just want one I would just give, give y'all one. one that has you know just like the basics and the love and all of the things and our you know take the book and dip it in yeah. culture and so you have that and then you have your more like recurring magazine thing coming I love that. um that's so that's where i am that's, right now I, and it, and this is what is this still under the training your dog or is this in the horse stage this is this is okay a horse. okay because i need to start looking at my whole life this way now i'm like wait a minute which one of these is the mm-hmm. dog and the horse okay i think i am like now getting into like my this dog is trained with the podcast and, mm-hmm. and the, the podcast is trained and now has video i was thinking it when you said <laughs> I, was it. Like, I was like okay and then the dragon yeah, is the I network was like I, the dragon's I was the network. you're right um because it was you know i think <laughs> who was it um 
Therese Nelson had reached out to me last night and she was like, how are things and how are you doing? And I'm just like, I've been sitting here looking at this dragon because like the dragon showed up four years before the dog. And I think that's been, that's mm-hmm. been the problem is like mm-hmm. the dragon has had to wait. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was just like, you know, I really, there's just so many things. And I just, there are, there are things I really am like that feel pressing at this point. And I'm like, really trying to put that into a, a better bucket i'm like i'm not pressed for this right now the timing mm-hmm. is the timing and like chill mm-hmm. um the timing is the timing yeah. and like you know the entertaining person in me is like you want to have your house in order before, before people, people come, come over. over and that was me i was like anytime i felt like i was jumping the gun i was like girl but this house is raggedy so calm down you need to run the vacuum. You need to get a. Did you remember to clean okay, the Okay, the Swiffer need to be out. You ain't got a new roll of toilet paper on or nothing. I just you're doing too much. Um, yeah, I just I'm that I'm ex- and of course I always like try to I'm always thinking about those things like well, wait a minute so like all these people ended up like I you know I want to see things like Architectural Digest you know but I need those you know I need those cameras to be in like black homes I want to know like I've been obs- like obsessed with oh, finding yeah. you know okay so who's out here like designing carpet and you know and like wall colors and tiles and like what black businesses are doing that work what oh okay. my goodness black artists and designers guild badge i think they're badge or badge guild on instagram obsessed with them like i just i just see all these black designers and it's just like oh wait till y'all design my future to be hosted space (laughs) like okay that's that's like you know there's no excuse anymore for people to be like oh i don't know where to find such i was like you can find them and they out here doing the thing and you miss the number we it's not us it's y'all and it's i've been watching some um there is a a a series on YouTube from uh, the House Beautiful magazine, and they're mm-hmm. one of their V. I think their VP of marketing is this black woman, and she mm-hmm. is such a fantastic host. And so she's done like two or three series for them. One was on these like fantastic kitchens. So she'll go into someone's home mm-hmm. and talk to the designer and the architect, and it, it, she's just so at home like in what she's doing and she's like this and for me when you look at her you're like no she is a she there's no like there's she ain't like ambiguously ethnic she's not like no she is this beautiful chocolate brown woman with her hair just kind of pulled back in a french braid it looked like it just makes it blow out too so it's not like this like over processed <laughs> hair and you know she didn't pull her little natural back into like this really beautiful like you know french braid and you know it's just this gleaming gorgeous skin and this fantastic and she looks like a black woman like there's no misrepresenting that like you're not confused about her you're mm-hmm. not asking what mm-hmm. her background is or anything weird and she's just so at home in all of these stunning spaces and you're just like and Mm -hmm. every single person she has talked to all of the architects all of the homeowners are all white and it's just like her showing up and like creating all of this presence and energy Mm -hmm. in these homes and I'm just like moved every time I watch her and so she's done like the kitchen series she has two where she has hosted um they I guess House Beautiful did like these two dream home projects. And so one was a national mm-hmm. and they just brought together a collection of different artists and artisans and designers to design a single room in those these mm-hmm. really huge houses. And so they're on their second project, which is in Colorado. And she's brought in like um, the first house was like, they brought in a couple of like black architects and black designers for like a couple of rooms. They did, she did the same mm-hmm. thing with this as well. And I'm just kind of like, 
she's she's so impressive i think that's like the only word i can use i'm like she's so impressive and i'm just like yes can i get more of this like why isn't hdtv like Mm -hmm. doing that like what are y'all can you give me a break here there's no shortage of talent and she's just graceful and there's no there's you can tell like there's really no like code switching it's just who she is and how she like speaks and presents herself and i it just feels good it feels so good to watch and i'm like excited to see like black designers and architects and and interior designers like really start to emerge at this point, like I want mm-hmm. all the things. I want tablecloths and napkins. I want like mm-hmm. silverware and ceramic wallpaper, textiles, like, mm-hmm. all of these things. Um, and like I really mm-hmm. am looking forward to like that day where you're kind of like, oh, we're going to do one of these house projects, and everyone participating in that project is you know a, a black owned business or a black designer or a black architect. Like the, I think those types of things are like the things I'm itching to produce, which is why mm-hmm. like that dragon is sitting there looking at me, you know, cross eyed. Because I have these ideas. <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how can I get these? But everything you're doing is to get you to slay the dragon. So, for real. For real. Mm-hmm. So, the people, if they A1, because we need to get the, this magazine into a million homes. Um, so, how can we, how yes, can we do that? How can we can that goal um and where where should we follow you because some people are like don't follow me on my personal instagram i don't i'm not gonna answer no questions oh yeah yeah that's me one thousand percent um if you want to talk to me if you want to see my work (laughs) if you want to see what i'm cooking or what i'm styling you can find me at while entertaining or you can find me at sippy all right y'all um okay i don't know my parents call it the weirdest times i'm like y'all when I say I'm in the middle of something, that's what I mean. I'm in the of something. <laughs> um, all right. So to be hosted and while entertaining y'all don't be, don't, don't be chasing her down on her personal Instagram. She ain't gonna answer no questions <laughs> she got nothing for you over there. And to buy the, to buy the magazine and to get the back issue of the digital one, mm-hmm. the, the digital edition as well. Okay. Yes, please. It's www. That was probably too many W's. You know how many W's should be there. <laughs> Wildentertaining.com. What you need to do is like, because we can do either a, a single magazine subscription in each home, or you can do two magazine subscriptions in like 500,000 homes. So however y'all want to do that math <laughs> is what I need. Y'all need to just go gift it to someone, like get get a copy for yourself and buy a copy as a gift. Um, You know, get, get subscribe. And tell me what you think. I mean, just come on. The feedback helps. And then... Um, and if you are not signed up for these weekly emails, I mean, that you make yeah, important choices. Yeah, that link is on our I Instagram. Just, I, I send every Friday, every Friday, joy comes I'm in just, the morning. I send a joy email. Joy in that <laughs> inbox. I mean, because I'm sure there's other craziness in your inbox right now, like your Amazon receipts and some emails from your boss that you ain't trying to talk to. So you might as well get something you really want to read. Joy. Email. <laughs> Because I don't know what other poor choices you're making right now, but this should not be one of them. So go ahead. It's real simple, y'all. It just requires an email address and just stop playing. Um, I just, I just, you know, just people be like, but I don't, but what about, I'm like, don't, don't give me these excuses. What do you mean? I won't spam you. I only send you emails on Fridays. <laughs> like, just quite frankly, nobody wants to talk to you outside of that anyway. So it's like, <laughs> just get the email. So yes, thank you. And people write me back and I do write them back. They'd be acting surprised. I'm like, I'm a regular person. (laughs) Yes, this is not a bot. And we are a real person creating this email. So I don't, 
<laughs> please don't be weird like maybe we retired that type of weird in 2021 like stop being that kind of weird i don't mind other types of weird but that kind of weird Mm-mm, i can't <laughs> um well thank you so much i mean thank you, know, you. We, we definitely see we are passing ships a lot of the times <laughs> so i was like i need to like sit in front of this person and like pick her brain and learn about her whole life and um i appreciate yes thank you doing that for me today <laughs> um so, you know, let me hit this stop button because I never do. And then three hours go by and everybody's like, do you want all of this recorded? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and that is a wrap on season four. A big thank you to Amber for joining me and to you for listening in and for being a part of the dopest click in podcasting. If you love these conversations, be sure to download, subscribe, comment and share. You can get further connected with the Afros and Knives community by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as visit the website, afrosandknives.com. You can get merch. You can get all the episodes with the show notes and the transcriptions. Um, You can catch up on the five-minute interview series. You can get updates on what's coming up next. So yeah, the website is a fantastic resource for anyone who wants to know what's happening with the podcast now and in the future. Um, You can also reach out to me and send me an email or drop a comment to one of our guests on one of the episode pages, which is always fantastic. So yeah, be sure to visit um, the Afros and Knives website. So afrosandknives.com. And again, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, Let's see, Afros and Knives does not do this work uh, without the financial support of our Patreon community. I want to thank them for their consistent support. Every single month you guys show up and support the podcast and it is deeply appreciated. Um, If you want to become a patron of the program, you can go to patreon.com backslash afros and knives and you can give a monthly um, donation and become a part of the the Patreon community. Um, Typically you will get episodes first, you get early looks, you get previews, you get a little um, behind the scenes. So there's definitely extra content and um, value there as well. Don't forget to um, subscribe as well as donate. You can go directly to acrosandknives.com and donate to support the podcast. And, you know, all of those donations definitely go towards keeping the podcast going and, um, you know, in, in keeping the these stories going out into the world. Uh, let's see. Our season is full of conversations with more next season is full of conversations with more incredible black women and you are always welcome to come back to listen and engage and celebrate these women and their stories and to you know in in into discover new talent um discover connect with brands that you didn't know were out there be sure to support these brands so like you know while entertaining magazine for the culture magazine whetstone magazine um be sure to subscribe like and purchase from black women and support what they're doing in the world um so yeah so that is it for me and uh after two weeks we'll be back i want to say maybe i think two or three weeks um but yeah we are i am taking a quick break i've got some other projects to work on and i definitely need to take some um space to breathe so we can recalibrate and come back with season five, five seasons already. I'm almost to, we're almost at 50 episodes. That's pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, you know, we've got episodes lined up in the queue, ready for editing, ready for production. And um, I'm excited to share all of these food scientists and food technologists and 
just all of these, all of these awesome women who have been working behind the scenes so diligently for so long, who have just not had the same level of media attention that um, others who are not nearly as talented deserve. So, um, so yeah, that is all for me. And so until season five, may you be held in loving kindness. May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in body and in mind. May you live a life of abundance and may your heart be at peace.